And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 236 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing pretty good right now. Me too. Yeah. Emphatically, categorically good. Yeah, all kinds of all kinds of good stuff this week, yeah. Yes. I I nailed down and my new job that's gonna be coming up and turned in my notice for my old one. Fantastic. Yeah. And you know, other other things happened this week yes. that were good. So. Um, hey, a quick cold open thing before we get into the comics. Sure. A little bit more information following up on the future state stuff we talked about in a bonus episode last week. Yeah. The Flash from Justice League, who you mentioned. Yes. Not only uh, will be appearing in the DC Holiday. Like the ten dollar anthology book that comes out right. seasonally. Uh-huh. Um they will be appearing as part of a Justice League team that is from a gender flipped earth. Okay. But this flash is in fact a uh relative of that Earth's flash, Jesse Quick, and is non binary. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Um they also clarified this week that the the future state and shattered stuff, the generations stuff, are no longer directly linked. That the generations shattered book is the book that was originally solicited as generations future state. Okay, uh, that comes out in January. So, okay, some things we'd asked about, we know a little bit more about. There you go. Yeah. Kind of how information tends to work, yeah. Yep. Now, let's talk about books that came out this past week. Yeah, let's do it. How about you tell me about Red Atlantis number one, a book I was not brave enough to pick up in this particular week. (laughs) Well, I I read this book today. Very happy that I waited until today, because I would have been incredibly (laughs) anxious otherwise. Uh, uh, Honestly, regardless, I just... uh, Regardless of either side, I would have been nervous reading this because this book is uh, – it's by Stephanie Phillips. Uh, it's from Aftershock, and it is um, – oh, I guess it's your the, the artist is uh, Robert Carey. Um, this is about um, an event that happens on Election Day. Enough said there, huh? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. In case anyone wondered why you were anxious. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um Essentially, we we start following this person into you know into a voting uh, polling location, and um, something happens to everyone's phones there, and then everyone—not everyone, but essentially like a lot of the people there—go into this random violent state, and there's like just this mass slaughter, 
And then we kind of pull back a little bit and, you know, we get panels that show this happened at three other locations as well. Um, and so all at the exact same time. Um, and we get this thing where we see there's certain people whose eyes have like just gone blank and white, uh, you know, before, as and before this happened. Um, and then we cut to like 10 minutes before that. And uh, we see this uh, girl who's, you know, watching a video instead of going to class. Uh, her name is Emily, and her her roommate's giving her a hard time about it. And then, you know, so, uh, we get the impression that this is, you know, well, actually, we get a timestamp that shows this. The event happens at 11.14, and her friend gets this kind of this blank eye thing, but doesn't turn violent like the other one. But, like, we find out that power has gone out all over at the same time. Um. Then we kind of cut to these two FBI agents who are investigating, and, you know, we kind of get the whole thing put together that all of these happened simultaneously. It, you know, there was this, um, something happened with cell phones simultaneously, and then, uh, you know, there were these power outages. Oh, and by the way, at two of the locations, there was somehow a connection to uh, Russian, like in one there was only a the only survivor was a Russian national, hmm. and then they track the power outage to this apartment complex where we find out that the the roommate Miriam uh, uh, of this girl uh, is of Russian descent. She was born in Russia. She was completely raised in America. But uh, so they come to question her, just trying to follow up on things. Not even I, I love one of the things that I love about this is there's no accusation in any of it at this point, right? They're like, but it's weird, and we have to follow up and try to figure out <laughs> what the hell happened, which seemed incredibly reasonable to me. <laughs> right? Funny how yeah. that works. Yeah. Um. So, like, they're like, you know what? We're not even going to, like, take you in for quite – can we just walk with you while you're going to class and ask while you're going because we don't want to inconvenience you? I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um. Then this person shows up. With, and attacks the FBI agents and grabs their gun and says, um, acts like he knows who this girl is and calls her Miriam Pascal. And she's like, yeah, that's not my name. I don't know what's going on. And that's kind of where this issue is. Huh. So super good setup that then leads directly into action we don't understand. But it is kind of exciting. So... And his statement to her is, uh, sorry, she's like, you know, I, I don't want to go with you, whatever. He's like, yeah, we have to go now, and I'm sorry, but it's up to us to stop World War Three, And that's where it cuts. It's like, this sounds oh. cool. Yeah. Okay, this is, I, I, I was hesitant, but I, I, I'm glad that I read it, because I really actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I may have to either, if not go back and pick this up, I'll at least grab this trade when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be yeah. able to let you know more about it by then. Cool. How about Batman? You got caught up on this. I did. So I read like 100, 101, and 102 this week. Um, How good is Harley in 100? Oh my god. I was so happy about that. Um, I tell you who else I am, and you'll hear it on my list of things coming out this week, but... Actually, the way that Punchline dealt with getting caught, like, yeah. I like that character so much more now. I love how they have taken her and 
it would have been incredibly easy for them to just make her a Harley Quinn 2.0, right? Yeah. Um, I am incredibly happy that they have decided to take her in such a different direction. And, like, you know, she is very clearly not crazy at all in the, like, loony kind of, you know, over-the-top crazy. She's in control. Yeah, completely. To a scary degree, yes. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, but so I liked her. I like Harley in this. Um, what I do you liked... think about Clown Hunter? Wow. Um, what a great character. <laughs> right? Yeah, because damn, it's hard to it's hard to hate this character, but it's also incredibly hard to justify his actions. I mean, at some level, he's almost just like okay. If Batman didn't have the money and the the ability to travel the world and do all these things, like, kind of, what's the difference? And and, and had an obvious start because you know the one of the whole things about the whole Batman is for who knows how long he had no idea who it was that killed his parents. Right. Clown Hunter has a very obvious target. He knows who it was. It was it was Joker and the clown. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, that's why I said, what a great character. Um, oh, just so hard. Because there's a, I, is, it the, it's, is it one of the issues, one of the stories in Batman 100 where he goes to confront Clown Hunter and says, you know, yep. yeah, I'm not going to let you do this, right? But, I, like, I understand your motivations and, the, you know, basically you've got one chance kind of thing, right? Um, and... Then we get Clown Hunter's was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll stop after I finish what I need to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And then he has to protect him from, you know, this new ghost hunt, ghost killer. Ghost maker? Ghost maker, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in this one. And I'm like, wow, this is, uh, there's a lot of complex character stuff going on in this. Like, there's nothing simple about any of these. Yeah, I I forget if we talked about it or if it's something Meg and I talked about. Uh, I think it was Meg who asked if Tynan's run was originally supposed to end with number 100. And in his newsletter, he mentioned that there is a version of history where that was the case. Yeah. It really feels with 101 and 102, like now that he knows he has basically an open run on this yep. book. That he is seeding so many more things and layering in characters and story beats and ideas that will play out. I mean, he said point blank that will play out at least over 2021, but it, it feels like these could run at least a couple more years. Well, that's one of the things I was going to say is very, very clearly, especially if you read like I did 100 to 102, there is a new paradigm that is set up for. You know, like you said, there's all kinds of things. There's the there's the Harley thing. There's the Joker thing. There's the the Grifter uh, thing. Let's not the, forget about yep, that Grifter and Halo, whoever that is. Um, there it oh, and I mean, there's a very long shot with that one, which I don't believe, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's the whole him and Catwoman thing. Uh, there's the whole Bruce is not a billionaire anymore. He, he, I mean, he has means. He's not broken by any stretch of the imagination, but he, as Lucius puts it, he he can't 
3D print new Batmobiles beneath the Wayne Enterprises building anymore. I love that the first thing he does, by the way, is call Barbara back in to run as Oracle. Oracle. Yes. Just to, and she's like, yeah, you, you have me here in part to help you fix your stuff, don't you? <laughs> and he doesn't deny it. No, nope, no denial whatsoever. Yeah. She has his number. And this is, you know what? Here's the thing. I love they because they kind of you know uh, Batgirl fifty came out last week, two weeks ago. Yeah, a couple like weeks, that, I think. Right, and uh, basically ended with her kind of coming to a realization that I can be Batgirl and help. I can be Oracle and help. I can be Barbara Gordon and help and make a difference. Basically, she's willing to be and whatever Gotham needs her to be. Yeah, which I think makes sense. Like, it sounds like an obvious solution, but I don't know that I've really heard it stated that way. The Oh, okay, maybe the answer to, well, who should Barbara Gordon be is let her be who she needs to be. Yes, yeah, and, it, you know, sounds like right now... Batman needs her to be Oracle, so maybe she can be that for him. Yeah. 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 I also like the the line she has acknowledging Steph and Cass in the bat symbols again. Yeah, now that they're wearing the bat signal. And by the way, I love that line, too, of the, are you sure this is going to be okay? Batman never asked permission. Yep. (laughs) That was great. That was wonderful. Um, Yeah, I I like all, and you know, there's the whole Batman, Catwoman. She like she gives him one year to figure out what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. I like all of this setup that is now in place. Okay, now super quick, there is one long shot. You, and you, with him telling Grifter something about Halo, right? Yes. Do you know what that long shot is? Um, you know, there's a character named Halo, right? That Batman has association with. I am not super familiar, but I feel like I have at least heard of Halo. Halo was a character from the original 80s run of Batman and the Outsiders. Okay. Yes. And um, that would be, it would just be an incredibly unusual something to pull in, especially to have Grifter involved in. But, you know. Maybe unusual and not expected is what they're going for. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stranger things have certainly happened. Indeed. Yeah, in comic books. Yeah, imagine that. I know. <laughs> Liked it very much. Same. Very excited about what's coming up. Hard same. Deceased. We've got Dead Planet number five and Hope at World's End number 13, both out this week. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I love that I've mentioned the, how much I love this whole world. Um, I, I love the idea. I'm going to talk a little bit about hope at world's end first. I, I love the idea that Superman and Jimmy are basically pulling a fast one over on Lex. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who, who ostensibly, you know, they've told him that they need him because he's the, the smartest man now in the world. Right. Certainly because there's not many people left. <laughs> but they need him to solve this problem. And then the idea that him, you know, them coming to him because he's the smartest guy and he's the only one that can solve the problem. And then it's them setting him up to come to the real, like they've, they're have they a step ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I also will just never get over Jimmy Olsen with an eye patch. I know! Pirate Jimmy. <laughs> 
Uh, it's so good. This whole this whole world, and then we have deceased. Um, and then we have Dead Planet, which is this is probably my favorite of all the deceased stuff. I don't it, like. It, I think at, with this one, Tom Taylor has basically hit his stride and know where he wants to go. And like the way he has got the characters humming in this one is just beautiful. Well, I think it's very much a product of very skillful world building like we had the first deceased that was heavy action and basically you know the if it's if if these issues are all he ever gets to do it's fine it's self-contained the end right but from that you know we had the one shot with constantine and booster gold and ted cord and time travel we had unkillables we've had hope at world's end there's so much like world building that has happened there are so many slices of where everyone's at what factions have popped up and dead planet really feels like the book where we get to see all of those things intersect that you are absolutely right i think that's why i said you know kind of it all comes together and is humming for all of this um can i tell you and i I hate it but i have to have two quotes of the week this week i will allow it (laughs) this one is so perfect Brian's quote of the week, part one. <laughs> so, um, specifically, this issue is where some of them reunite for the first time, and that is Jason Todd and Damien as Batman, right? I think this is the exact moment I wanted to bring up as an example of how well everything comes together. So, yeah. yes. And so they, they come up and, um, uh, and, and, Damien comes up and walks up and says something like, oh, a Bat Family trip with Ravager and Swamp Thing? And Jason looks at him and says, uh, actually, Rose and I are married. And Cass says, so she's family too. What? She can sometimes see the future and she still married you? <laughs> and then he gives, he gives both of them a hug, Jason and, and Ravager, and says, I'm so, so damn happy for you. And then he looks at Ravager and says, welcome to the family, Rose. You'll fit right in. Especially if you brought complex, unresolved father issues. I brought so many. (laughs) (laughs) Especially knowing the whole Damien and and, uh, uh, Terminator uh, uh, issues. You know, where where for a period Damien thought he might be his dad. It's like, what? Right. No. (laughs) Yeah. Slade. Yeah. Oh my word, so, so good. Yeah, that, I love that moment so much. We also have Constantine putting a team together. Yes. And I know never to trust John Constantine, but I also know he usually gets the job done, and I I don't know how this will go badly, but I know it will go so badly. It will, but man, does he unleash, like, he is really, really doing some things that are, um, like, you only can hope that the ends somehow justify some of these means. Yeah. Because, man, does he, uh, does he wreak some havoc in this, huh? We also see another orphan wield the power of Shazam. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, that was, that was brilliant, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, and wield it well, shall uh-huh. we say. Yeah. She doesn't need many words, but when she speaks the ones she chooses, Shazam. Yeah. And then the fact that John Constantine essentially just tells off Spectre. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, where Spectre comes to, to like, you know, question him and say, you know, uh, that, you know, basically tell him that, yeah, I can stop what you're doing. Da, da, da. And he's like, yeah, Spectre, but you're the spirit of vengeance. What the fuck do you think I'm being motivated by right now? <laughs> and he's like, okay, good night. <laughs> and takes off. <laughs> it's like, damn. There you go. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. I tell you what, though, I keep waiting for a raven to show up. Oh, right. Because, or somehow be involved, because we know, you know, there's a whole Trigon thing going on. Yep. Yep. Young Justice number 20. Uh, this is the end of this run. It is, but you know what? I will... I personally, by myself, will be a riot of one in the streets if we don't get more, because this is such a perfect setup yeah. to, like, the next chapter of what Young Justice could be. I agree. I don't think this is the end for these. I think I think they know they've got some great characters here that yeah. they can do a lot with, specifically with Naomi and Jenny Hex. Right. Well, and it, it truly feels like, I mean, two things. We know we're getting another Naomi miniseries. That's yes. already Correct. confirmed. Um, But it truly feels like too many ideas are introduced in this issue yeah. to not continue. If it were just, they go to Mount Justice and fight Red Tornado and say, okay, well, we're going to hang out here and train. Like, okay, maybe. I could see that being a longer term thing. But the fact that they introduce yep. this idea that Jon Stewart wants to shut down Teen Lantern and everyone needs to meet with the Justice League and blah, 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 blah. That really makes me think that this is like, okay, maybe we take six months, maybe we take a year, we come back, they've been training some, and now they're working as a unit. Yep, I, I do. I do love that uh, the, the "We're Young Justice" shot at the top of that panel, where it's like the team shot. Yes, that's a great. That's a great panel right there. The the last, I think it was a two page spread. The last couple pages are also great, where it's like yep. everyone just hanging out, and they've called in, you know, the 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 like reserve members, I guess, Dial H and the, the Wonder, Wonder Twins. Twins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 very very good. Yeah, I I definitely need more. Agreed. Over at Image, we have crossover number one, which so I read this last night or yep. yesterday afternoon, I guess, and I messaged you, Brian, and kind of twisted your arm into reading it. Yeah, well, you you were like, did you read it? And I had been completely on the fence about it just because I really am trying to limit how much new stuff I start. But you were like, I was like, should I read it? And you're like, yeah, I think you probably should. So I I picked it up, and I did. And as you asked me what I thought of it, and I was like, I think I really like it. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's a fair reaction. I will start with this is so much my shit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I loved this. This is just right over home plate for me. Uh, um, Donnie Cates writing, Jeff Shaw on art, D. Yep. Kniff on colors, and John J. Hill lettering. Uh, so in the uh, Donnie Cates writes a little, like a, you know, a page of back matter, kind of explaining kind of where some of this came from. And like one of the last things he says in it is, "I have no earthly idea if this book is even going to work or not." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm like, okay, so now I feel completely justified in my feeling of. 
I think I like it and not knowing or not. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and the thing I think I said to you, and this is true for me, this is this is absolutely Donny Cates writing. I don't yeah. think Donny Cates is trying to be anyone else. Nope. But the ideas he plays with are so Grant Morrison and Brian K. Vaughn. I think Brian K. Vaughn is the one I, I really like locked in on. I could feel reading that. through it. Maybe even I think that's why it's where it does for me. So okay, what is this weird ass book? Yeah. Um it is set in the real world where people read comics. Mm-hmm. And I love, it does that thing that a lot of, of creator-owned books do that are playing with comics history, where it opens with quotes. And it opens with a pair of quotes, uh, one by Frederick Wortham, who wrote Seduction of the Innocent, which was the essay or whatever that led to the creation of the Comics Code Authority. Code, yep. And yeah. Um, the world of the comic book is the world of the strong, the ruthless, the bluffer, the shrewd deceiver, the torturer, and the thief. In comic books, life is worth nothing. There is no dignity of a human being. Followed by Todd McFarlane, kids love chains. <laughs> Which, like, kids love change, chains in the context I know he meant it. Yes. Is the most Todd McFarlane quote in history. Kids love chains, like, as a follow-up to that Wortham quote, and uh-huh. just, like, the world this was written in, yes. like, definitely takes on some French philosophy Michel Foucault, you know, we all live in a gilded cage, kind of. Yep. And if context. you have any, if you have any questions that there's kind of meaning in putting those two together, all you have to do is read the, the next two pages of introduction to this series. Yeah. Right. And it's it's very much about like it, it the the opening idea here is well Superman is at least as real as anyone in the real world because of how he impacts people and will exist after us and existed before us and someday and how much when we're all dead he has. yeah go into space we'll send Superman into space yeah in some form um. And that idea leads into this sort of cataclysm three years earlier in Denver, where comic book, in the most like crossover crisis kind of way, comic book characters burst out into Denver and basically wrecked the city fighting. And I love the little cameos of not only do they name check Superman, but there is what definitely appears to be the tick in one of these shots. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um pretty sure there's a Ben Grimm in the background somewhere. There are a lot of homage shots that aren't yeah. directly these characters, but their their outlines are somewhat recognizable, shall we? Yes. Say. Yeah. Um and like that's the part of this that I think reading the solicit text I expected. But then we jump to the present. And yes. follow what I think is going to be one of our main characters. And I say this because there are a couple of points where the narration does say, but the book is not about this. Well, but it does say, it, specifically with with Elle, it does say it's about her. Yeah. Right. Um. So we have Elle or Ellie, which is short for ellipses, which is the best name ever. <laughs> And like the potential and the unknown and three little dots, which also then makes me think of like Kirby Crackle. Like there's some really smart stuff in here. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um 
the other one that I thought was like the most depressingly real world insertion, right? Was she's walking and we just get this billboard that's solid white with black letters that says God hates masks, lowbaptistministry.com. And the Which funny... is like the most real world thing that would happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it is absolutely real world, I think, specifically in channeling I know down here. Like, if I drive up to, to say, visit my parents, I will pass so many billboards that are just like, hell is real, and yes. stuff like that. Yep. Um, This was not a joke about people complaining about wearing masks in 2020. That was apparently, like, this was... This part of the book was done and scripted before. Yeah, no, that that yeah. I did not read that in any kind of well, like, modern context. Kate's had to had to answer questions about it on Twitter because people thought it was uh, that uh, contemporary. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and on the next page, you really get your answer to that because there's a protester holding up a sign yeah. "Pray the capes away." Right. Yeah. So Ellie works in a comic shop. That is, we learn one of the. If not the only in this area, it is one of the few comic shops left that sells pre, what they call pre-crisis comics, which are comics that were printed by Marvel and DC, etc., about superheroes before this cataclysm in Colorado. Correct. Uh, because after that, the government, like, had those burned, and now we get, like, Rawhide Kid and Super Cop, which are the examples we see here. Um, as these sort of, like, government propaganda comics. Um, and the shop is being picketed. I would say, like, I mean, I guess there's one panel where it pulls out and we see probably 20 people, but it feels, like, pretty heavily picketed yep. by religious types. The types who give religion a very bad name. Um, and this is, I think, where kind of the, the, the sort of Brian K. Vaughn vibes for me kick in, just because it does feel so small and grounded and personal against this big, crazy backdrop. Um, I also love that Ellie's always wearing this mask. Yes. Like this domino mask. Her family's trapped in Colorado under the dome. Someone decided they would put up a dome that traps in all the superheroes, and she was... She managed to get out while well, separated from her family before it went up, but her family's stuck there. Um, and then she and the store owner see a kid maybe shoplifting a comic on the security camera, and the kid is from a comic book. Like, she is, she has, she has, like, dot pattern on her and everything like that. Because like newsprint dots. Yeah. Like, yes. Literally from a comic. Right. Um, and like everyone's shitty to her except Ellie who is cool. I, I want to take a super moment right here and, and point out Um, so when we say that the art style on this is super unique and cool. Mm -hmm. So like her face and hair and her t-shirt, the top we just see a little piece of her t-shirt are this newsprint dot, right? Yeah. So, like, are clearly from a comic book. But then, like, her her overshirt and her jacket and her jeans and her shoes and her gloves are all not this newsprint dot because presumably they're from our world. Yeah. Like, it's a super unique styling that 
he's clearly going to convey a very clear message of types. Right? Yes. From there, things kind of escalate. The the preacher who is sort of leading the assholes out in front of the store um, confronts his son who shows up about having a comic book and goads his son into like throwing a Molotov cocktail into the shop while Ellie is talking to Ava, trying to figure out what's up. Um, and that's also where we learn this is about him also, kind of, and maybe a love story? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a love story or not, but it's definitely about the two of them, and yeah, his... He, he is not going to... Which, we, we sense his reluctance even in the beginning of this. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Well, and the the sort of hook we get here at the end is is Ellie has asked Ava, "How did you get out?" And she says, "Well, someone someone helped me out, and I don't know who he is, but I can draw you a picture." And the last page of this is the picture Ellie has drawn, which is like a kid's pencil drawing of Superman. Specifically, since we say the the you know the the text boxes read you know. It's about more than superheroes and mega events. You know, this is a story, and then we see that picture about hope, and you're like, "Oh well, okay." That's yeah. The the, the inference is very clearly <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I am just me, so into this. Yeah. If you like weird meta stories, which I love, you should absolutely check this book out. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, like I said, I think I really like, uh, and then I love you turn the page and it's just a bunch, of, it's just three ellipses. Yep. Ellipses, yeah, like great. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm really gonna like this. Yeah. And as far as I know, this is an ongoing, I thought when this was first announced it was a miniseries, but mm -hmm. I don't actually see anything other than, I think the fact that it was called Crossover made me think. That. Right, right. So I believe and, and this I, is. If I had to guess especially kind of knowing Donny Cates and how he works. My guess is he probably has like a 12 issue story in mind in kind of case it doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he has some end points that he could hit, but yeah. but yeah, I think I think this is potentially an ongoing. I would certainly read an ongoing of yeah. this. Yeah. Black Widow number 3. This is another one you got caught up on this I week. I did. Right? I read 2 and 3 today. Um okay, and I, I was a little hesitant with the first one about kind of the whole trope of, oh, let's kidnap a character and brainwash them and make them think they're living this other life kind of thing. Yeah, I still have a little bit the, uh, uh, let's say, aftertaste of Welcome to Pleasant Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... There's some things in this one that I think make it a, a bit more palatable and a lot more interesting. Um, and some of that is specifically, like, the three people you could make a very strong argument who know her best in the world, uh huh, right, are all, like, really, really conflicted about whether or not they should try to get her out of this. Yeah, like, I love... I love the way that Kelly Thompson has chosen to use, especially Hawkeye and Bucky here. Yep. Um, and then the character who we, we learn is also in the mix in this issue is Yelena, <laughs> yes. which so happy about. Um, just because I loved the setup in issue two, and I'm so happy to already know who that who is. Who it is. I'm glad they did not drag that out, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but I think it's so smart to place them basically in this position of almost paralysis. Yep. Trying to decide what's best for Nat in a way when they can't really ask. Yeah. Um, and I like that because one, I think it gives them, it makes sense that they would be there. I think it gives Kelly Thompson a way to argue out the pros and cons of really, is this a good thing for her? Right. But it also keeps them at a distance where they're not, and Yelena makes clear, do not come in and make choices for her. You will make this worse. Yes. It it keeps them from, like, having the autonomy in a book about Black Widow. And can I say how ridiculously, amazingly well I think she did with handling Clint going in to talk, because Clint does go in and talk to her yeah. in the second one. Yeah, he tries to, like, suss out what's going on. But is like, she just undercover? Yeah, but, like, is like handles it completely the right way. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> even when he finds out she's got a kid. Yeah, well, and I love the mystery with the kid, because if there was any doubt after two that it is actually her kid, Yelena says, no, I've already come in and done the test. I don't know how, but this is her kid. Yeah. It is hers and her husband's. Yep. Uh, we also, in this issue, see sort or of fiance, the... right? Oh, yeah, fiance. Yeah. See sort of the shadowy cabal that is pulling the strings. And I love this, too. It's like the, how do we beat her? Well, let's just make her happy and take her out of commission. Like, let's let her, let's make her not want to fight us anymore. But then, of course, there's somebody in this cabal that's just can't, can't, deal with her being happy yeah he he has to have his vengeance he has to win yeah uh, i do love i do love the 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 intelligence of there's a point in i think it's issue two where um arcade is like what are we going to do about these two hawkeye specifically talking about hawkeye and uh winter soldier and the and they're like don't do anything just let them sit there look they're not interfering they're not <laughs> causing problems don't make things worse by yeah <laughs> they've spent two issues just sitting in the bushes like yeah they're fine <laughs> i love that somebody was smart <laughs> enough to go if they're not causing a problem don't make them cause a problem <laughs> I, like i, I kind of get the feeling like that has to be viper right <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's the only one of that group that's probably intelligent maybe snapdragon who <laughs> would have been intelligent enough to yeah not get that yeah um no i i I think this is, I feel like we say this a lot, and maybe just Kelly Thompson is always Gosh, topping so herself. Yeah. But I feel like this is some of the best writing of Kelly Thompson's I have read, and that is a high bar to cross. That is a very high bar to cross, because I, I I mean, I've, I've made it very clear at this point, I will read just about anything she She has earned that with me. Yeah. That I love, specifically, I love how she writes female here and i mean that's just just true yeah she does such a great job with them huh imagine that <laughs> go figure uh... I, okay can i also say that i absolutely love the idea of they have introduced that her her kid's name is stevie yes Steve, like of course by the way i think it's her is it her dog's name is is logan yep <laughs> But her kid's name is Stevie, and they have introduced this idea that he is essentially fucking Houdini in that <laughs> they literally cannot keep him 
you know, in a playpen or in a room oh, or I, anywhere I, else. I, like he is, he can escape anything. And it's I like, wonder who he gets that from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, duh. <laughs> Yeah, at one point, her her fiancé shows up, and she's in bed, and he comes in, and they're like, very clearly, they are about to... Engage. Yes. Yes. I don't know why I paused. It's not like this kid is hiding here in the room with us. Right, yeah. But then we hear from, like, the foot of the bed him say, ducks! Yeah. There we go. They're about to duck. Um, (laughs) And they're both just like, god damn it, how did this kid get get in here? (laughs) Yeah. And I love the fact that uh, we we first get the babysitter is like uh, okay you know I've I've I, I, you know they tell him that he's really really hard and he will try to escape and this and the other she's like okay okay they come back and she's like wow he really is good at this and she was like well was it okay and he's like she was like yeah I've handled worse <laughs> <laughs> and when, and then it's later in the next issue we find out it's Elena <laughs> it's like yeah. okay this is perfect <laughs> light bulb click yes beautiful uh while we are here in the kelly thompson corner yeah captain marvel number 23 in which we learn the most important thing in the history of the marvel universe and that jeff is? the land shark is still alive in the future and maybe invulnerable maybe so i'm so happy jeff's still alive um jeff like jimmy olsen has an eye patch <laughs> his is a band-aid though and i <laughs> kind of like it <laughs> Um, he's got an eye under there. It's just fine. He just enjoys wearing. He just enjoys wearing and and the idea of it. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, uh, and again, I read 22 and 23, which was actually perfect because this new arc feeds completely off of the Captain Marvel, the end storyline. Yes. So there was a one shot called Captain Marvel, the end. Um, and I love that we were both back then, like. She'll come back to this. There's no way she doesn't come back to this. This yep. is too good, and these characters are too good. Yeah, and here I we guess are. What? Here we are. Um, and yeah, so the Captain Marvel of the end, right? Um, sacrificed herself to restart the sun. Like that. You know, hey, spoiler for a book that's been out for you know eight months now or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put an asterisk here to come back to because I have some thoughts. Okay. Um, but, uh, Carol gets, Carol is with Rhodey and Jessica and Hazmat, and they find this crash spaceship and something attacks them, and Carol gets pulled forward in time to this same timeline, presumably just a few months after that time's version of herself has sacrificed herself to restart the sun. Yep. So um, she gets pulled in by, you know, all of these characters from that that we met and from the future, which are, you know, a young adult Danny Cage now and a more grown up, you know, fully adult leader position. Jennifer Takeda as Hazmat. Um, Jerry Drew <laughs> has grown up and is now the spider. Uh, Clinton, Natasha had a kid, and Katie Barton is a sharpshooter. <laughs> uh, we get Irene LeBeau, who is clearly, uh, Rogan Gambit's daughter. Yep. I mean, we get all of these wonderful, wonderful characters that we love so much. Uh, and a couple of new ones, um, that, I, I, which I guess Emma Frost isn't new, she was in, in it, but yeah. she, one of the things is she will not come out of her diamond form, and we'll, we need to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. 
I'm gonna get I, back to that. I incidentally just love the way that Kelly Thompson will pepper Emma Frost into just about everything she writes. You know what? And the way she does it, though, is I- I'm perfectly fine with it because the Emma that she puts in is my favorite Emma. I know, right? It's just, ugh. It's the kiss. same Emma that's in the X books right now. It, and the same Emma that's in Jessica Jones. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we we find out there's another superhero child that is with this group that we did not meet before. And uh, let's say that um, I, I think this is a worthy character to have in this book. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, though, because the hammer won't come when she calls. This is true. Um, <laughs> but we get uh, Thor's daughter. Yeah. Rajid. Yes. I was super excited when she showed up. Me too. Um, I also, God, can I tell you how much I love Carol in this book? So much? Yeah. Um, so, uh, there is, uh, there's a, there's a point where she goes to invite Brigitte to come with them because they, they need a group to go meet with this thing that they think is very clearly a trap or whatever, right? And, yeah. um, <laughs> and she, First of all, she's making uh, um, uh, Emma go with her. <laughs> Emma doesn't <laughs> want to go, but she's making Emma go. Uh, and then they, so Emma's like, okay, if I'm going, there's somebody else that needs to come with us. And she goes and introduces her to Brigitte. And um, Carol, and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not a hero. And Carol's like, yeah, you know, pretty much all the heroes that I know wouldn't call themselves that. It's really, they're, it's, it's just people that are willing to try to do what they can to make a difference in the world. Right. She was like, but if you don't want to come, that's fine too. Right. Yeah. And then, so when she shows up, she's like, am I late? And Carol's like, right on time. She's like, I don't have Mjolnir. It won't come to me. And Carol's like, okay, do you still want me? I do. Then let's go rescue our friends and fuck some shit up. (laughs) (laughs) And Carol's like, yeah, this is my kind of team. This is it. (laughs) I've got to tell you, now that we're we're sort of getting up to the the reveal in this yeah. issue, even with this character on the goddamn cover, I was so not prepared for nope. who Ove or Ove whatever, correct <clears throat> whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, I was so not prepared for who Ove is. Yep, or just the like the ostensible utopia that he has opened up. It's goddamn Namor's kid. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, we find out Luke Cage is still alive. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So they go and yeah, they finally make it to this place, and um, yeah, it's Namor's kid. So first of all, who is who is Brigitte's mother? Right, that's a question. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we get Ove and. You know, then you get the question of who is O's mother. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, can I say, of course, he is only half shirtless. Maybe that's because he's only half Namor's kid. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, wow, just so, so much. I, I was vaguely reminded of, remember the Exiles issue where they had, like, hippie namor yep yeah i was reminded vaguely of that character design that it really makes namor. me wonder if that if that was an inspiration for this yeah yeah um 
yeah, I, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens here next. Um, Same. This is, this is, this is real good. Um, so, the whole, the whole Emma not leaving her diamond form. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts behind that? I do have a thought. I do too. What is yours? I think it's that Emma doesn't like the fact that time has passed and that she has aged. Yep, that's that's exactly my idea too. Or maybe she doesn't age when she's in her diamond form, so she won't leave it. <laughs> yeah. 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 She can't stand the idea of being old. Yes. <laughs> yep, that's it. Uh, I also want to come back to this idea that Carol sacrificed herself to restart the sun. Yes. Which... We learn also about, like, the attacks on Earth that led to the status quo and how no one really knows what happened. Right. Maybe it was aliens, there was some kind of virus, and then the sun started to die. And obviously, like, this could easily be coincidence, and it could also still be right and be coincidence led to, oh, we can put these pieces together and tell a story. But do you know where my mind went rereading the the sun started dying beat in in this issue? Uh to Empire? Yes. Yeah. I really wonder if either this is not doing some like early seeding for whatever is coming after Empire that we've seen teased. Um well th- there's two things that make that super super like more coincidental but like real sus coincidental one is that it's this crashed alien spaceship right that something attacked her out of and drug her forward in time and super sus that there's a crashed spaceship right after empire ends that does this right yeah um two very clearly whatever attacked them is related to the plant that attacks them in the future Mm -hmm. somehow right and we get this idea of when they first approach the spaceship that something is leaking out of it, right? Yeah. It's like, wow, gee, that doesn't sound like something that could cause some sort of virus or infection or something like that, does it? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, I, I mean, I think it's very clear this is all somehow related. Yeah, even if it's, and when I say coincidental, like, I feel, I feel like maybe while Empire was being planned, and I mean, knowing how far out, Marvel plans events and how they have their retreats and talk through things. It could well be that Kelly Thompson said, Hey, I'd like a hand on the ball at some point and think I can, here's how I'd like to work it in. But it may also be that like the, the end stuff was happening and simultaneously the empire planning was happening. And once each of them saw what was going on, like maybe they found a way to tie it together. And cause it would make sense for Carol future carol to make that sacrifice if it's a kree problem yeah if it's a problem the kree started so i mean this is all speculation but like i really wonder if this isn't building to being part of that story that we know is coming out of empire someday and like kelly thompson getting a hand on the ball at that event okay now alex can you tell me uh, the one thing that was mentioned in the in this two issues that had me probably the most excited, and yet I know nothing about it yet? Well, we've already covered Jeff being alive. Uh-huh. What is it? Uh, do you remember uh, where the, uh, the things that attacked them when Carol showed up came from? I do not. From Limbo? Oh, right. Right, 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 right. 
Yeah. Um, so they don't know if magic is under the control of someone or is like in cahoots with someone. But either way, a future fully grown, you know, adult magic is like, and like, ah, I can't wait. <laughs> I wonder if this is one of the futures where magic is Sorcerer Supreme. It could very, very well be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of magic and Emma Frost and X-Men, let's talk yeah. about Ten of Swords. God, I cannot give high enough praise to all of the creators working on this. Yeah, like on, this, on this is, event. I think X-Men number 14 is just a really good example, too, of how tightly everything is is planned. Because so X-Men 14 essentially is a conversation between Apocalypse and Genesis. Yep. And, and the is, history of what happened after he left yes. Arako, yeah. It is Genesis telling in linear order the history of Ameth's incursion into Arako and the war between Arako and Ameth. And I would say that 75% of the information in this, at least is not actually new information. Correct. I, I think you're correct, yeah. There's a uh, lot of it that we knew, but seeing it put together in this order was a well-spent issue. Yes. And we, we kind of alluded to this last week, too, yeah. like, the, with, with the reveal that it was Genesis, like, all of that felt seeded and earned. And this sort of goes back and shows how these, like, maybe a page at a time of history that we've gotten throughout other books all fit together what the timeline is. And there are panels in this that are, I don't know if they're the same artist, because I forget which books we've seen, which of these beats in before. Yep. But that are almost shot for shot, panel for panel recreations, at least. Yeah. Of these moments we've seen before. The, the, the scene, for example, where Genesis is going to meet with Annihilation. Yep. We've seen that shot. Uh, some of the shots of the, the towers falling. We've seen, if not those exact panels, you know, panel layouts, like, from different angles. Yes. Um, every major beat in this, with exception of, like, how the helm works, which I think we had enough to sort of piece together, uh, we've been explicitly told, but this this is sort of the reveal of what all of those bits add up to. This is... Pulling, pulling the picture back and seeing, you know, the whole landscape. Yeah. Uh, can I point out something else that I noticed in this? And that is um, specifically in the conflict when Genesis and Annihilation fight. Uh-huh. Right? That they both have these, like, offset kind of lightning blade curved sword things. Swords? Mm -hmm. That it, it's, I mean, it's exactly the design that Apocalypse has for his sword, right? Yeah. And it's the design that she has for hers and that Amanth has for her. But it is not the Twilight, is it the Twilight sword that cut the... I think the Twilight blade? Blade, yeah, maybe the Twilight blade. Um, But, um, so specifically, right, we have the helm that is this, clearly has some sort of its own sentience in it. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, the way she describes it as it wants to dominate, and I want what it wants, therefore I yeah. want to dominate. Well, but the other person that wields a blade that's just like this is Pogger Pog. 
Yeah. And it makes me wonder if the sword that Annihilation was wielding is Pog or Pog. Yeah. And as you mentioned, that sword is also sentient and, you know, has taken over. Yeah. yeah. All along, X-Men has been Yu-Gi-Oh! Twist. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like, I really liked this issue and how, you know, we get this discussion and conversation between these two and then you know she's like yeah we'll we'll see what happens yeah. when when we fight and then, i also oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say and then i realized that i have to say uh of the two issues that came out this week this is not my favorite one well before we move on to the other i want to shout out sunny go who is the colorist in this yes because i mean especially early issue but throughout, just, like, sense of light and shadow is really strong. I can tell you, there's a page, it's the next-to-last, like, panel page. Uh-huh. Where we come back from the telling of the story. Well, that's that's kind of what I was going to say. Yeah. The, the pages that bookend this in yes. the garden. Yep. Like, the one you mentioned is great. There's also one, um, I think it's literally, yeah, literally the first page of of art is this shot of apocalypse standing under a tree and even with like more muted colors like this is the sun is starting to set versus now the sky is on fire beginning to end like even with the more muted colors like it's just so like the leaves in the tree are warm and everything else feels cold and alone and yeah it's just it's so beautiful yeah, and I love, so you mentioned we get the book in. So before she starts to tell the story, there's the two of them meeting, right? And we get this scene, we get this panel of them basically planting their swords in the ground yes. and then walking away hand in hand to have this conversation. That that panel is just super, super, um, I, I think in addition to just being beautiful, I think that's foreshadowing right there. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Then we have Marauders, which is... <laughs> which is a... my favorite next book of the week, because holy shit, there's so much to love about this. Marauders is a party brought to you by George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> there's I mean, a lot I love about this, this issue. Starting but... with the cover. Can we just talk about the cover? Yes. Which is, which is death and Storm dancing what has to be, like, the, the tango together, yeah. right? And he has a rose in his mouth, and she's flipping her hair back, her head back with her hair. Uh, like, it is just the most amazingly awesome thing. Yeah, it is a fantastic cover. And we get, like, that moment of them literally dancing in the book, too. Yes. Which is... Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. As great as everything that happens in this book is, my uh-huh. favorite page... Maybe Jim Jasper's commentary on yes! everyone's manners. Yes, <laughs> that's what I said. There, there, it's not like it's just the 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 party. Like there is like every single different little piece of this book is beautiful. You you yeah. turn so you get that cover. You turn the page, and the opening page is the menu that they're serving, and it's <laughs> one of the text pages. And again, it's just awesome. I mean, it's you know. uh 
uh, chilled creme of Neptune's glaciers with honey drizzled fey wing. Like <laughs> it's just these beautiful sounding horrific things that they're going to be eating, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, then we get Jim Jasper talking about the like I don't know. We get the them coming to the party before it starts, right? And yeah. So the whole idea is there's this dinner reception where they all are going to meet and have dinner and, and, and have this before the contest that is tomorrow start. And if you think the battle hasn't started during this dinner just because no one is wielding any weapons, mm -hmm. you are sorely, sorely mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I I love everyone sizing each other up. My favorite is Magic and Gorgon. Yes. Trying to figure out which hand Iska prefers. Yes. Uh, and we get this flirtation between Storm and Death that is just beautiful. I'd say there's also some flirtation between those two and Iska. Uh, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's make something clear. X-Men is not any less horny now than it was before. Well, uh, we're going to get to that at the very end, because <laughs> we're going to get to that at the very end. So um, so uh, Storm's comment is, so War comes up, and it's like, why are you talking to her? She's the enemy, blah, 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 this, that, and the other, right? And she's like, <laughs> and Storm goes, I thought War would be more artful. But no, she's talking to Death, but no, it's you. And she takes the flower out of her drink and puts it behind his ear and says, you're going to be a problem, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh so my god. Ah, and then yeah, then we get they they we get Storm and Ma or I'm sorry, Gorgon and Mag actually I guess next it's just Magic meeting Pogger Pog, right? Yeah. Magic or Magic. Magic oh uh, Magic couldn't give a damn. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> What an so, idiot. You can't eat these. Yeah. <laughs> so they go in. <laughs> And, you know, the, the dinner kind of starts or whatever, and, you know, all they're all here. And we find out that Lady Roma and Vesper Day, the colony queen of Hot Hive, and, uh, you know, they're, they're all here. Um, so uh, then the reception slash dinner starts. And <laughs> we get, I, like, I can't go through how many wonderful scenes we get between characters. We get Logan confronting... Uh, Brian Braddock about, okay, we know Saturnine has control of all this, can just stop it. She's clearly hort for you, so just give her what she wants and make her stop. <laughs> and no one has to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Logan and his direct just... <laughs> hey, Wolverine knows how to cut to the quick. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, and he talks about her, and, you know, uh, and he, his response is, I'm a married man. And Logan's like, yeah, I was married once. But you know who hasn't been married? Cypher. And Magic. And Cable. And if you don't do what needs to be done, maybe they won't ever get the chance. Because they might get killed. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then then we get the discussion that starts, which is, th this might be my favorite, which is Magic and Gorgon sizing up the opponents right yeah and uh it basically it starts with like magic telling him hey you know war is right-handed and he's like yes she is 
And then she's like, and then they're looking at Pogger Pog, and she's like, yeah, that chonky dinosaur is going to be a problem. <laughs> and, and Gorgon's like, every beast has softness beyond their armor, which there's very clear, like, that is, there's a, because that's mentioned twice. Yeah. Because right? Logan says something about, well, he's soft on the inside. She says something about he has no soft parts, and he's like, well, he's soft on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then uh, it, Gorgon makes a comment, death favors his left side. Uh. And she's like, you know, red root shrubbery may hide other eyes. Hmm, interesting. Um, and then Magic says, the thing I can't figure out is, does Iska favor her right or her left? And, they, and Gorgon's like, let's find out. And so they walk up to start a conversation with her, right? Uh, and, <laughs> you know, Iska, if you don't remember, is the one. It's Genesis' sister. Yes, and her mutant ability is she can't lose a fight. So it made her join the annihilate, turn on them, and join the annihilation because annihilation was going to win. So yeah. her mutant power wouldn't let her not do that. Um, but she, so she turns, and her comment to them is, "I won't listen to any winning that the fights won't be fair, to any whining about that the fights aren't going to be fair." And Gorgon's response is, "I've never been in a fair fight. They all had to face me." <laughs> <laughs> she's like you're not like the others from your island <laughs> and <laughs> so they both stand there and they both have a glass in their hand and they both drop the glass thinking which one is she gonna grab right that'll be her dominant hand and of course she just goes down and grabs both of them and catches everything that has spilled out and like doesn't spill a drop to which Gordon goes mm, ambidextrous <laughs> and Maggie's of course, should have guessed, yeah. <laughs> right? And then she, she she like makes to hand them back to them, and then Iska drops both of them, and then she's now it's your turn, <laughs> right? And magic, magic won my heart here. <laughs> Thinking like, with portals, yeah. She's like, there's no such thing as going low with someone from Limbo, and makes a portal to teleport the glasses back up above them. So her and Gorgon can both catch them and catch all their drinks in them. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. This, this tete-a-tete back and forth is just, it is everything I absolutely love about what's going on in these books right now. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and then, and then, but then the other thing that this has is it will not be afraid to turn it around and bring it back to what's really going on. Because literally as soon as Isco walks away... Magic looks at Gorgon and says, so what is your soft spot? He's like, I don't know. Kill as many as you can as fast as you can. I fear that woman's sword will break us. Yeah. Yeah, like, but this is serious business. Yeah. Then we get Alex's favorite page. Yes. Which is Wolverine James Jasper's comments about the people that are there. <laughs> oh, so much, so much, so much. Yeah. Um, we get Then we get uh, Storm and Death and their flirtation and, and dance, right? Yeah. And he's something about, you know, several people on your team, Cable and uh, Wolverine and others have experienced death, but you never have, have you? And she's like, uh, that's not true. I've I've experienced death all my life, just not mine. And I've had death around all my life. And literally you get the idea of, oh, she's talk she's literally dancing with death mm -hmm. and talking about how. She's danced with death all her life, and that's as close as she's ever allowed it to get. Yeah. Right? Which, 
I'm super scared this is foreshadowing of what I predicted last last episode. Yeah, we will we will see. Yeah. Um <laughs> Then we get War trying to cheat, trying to poison Logan. Which I feel like I don't know if that moment is just kind of a feint to distract us from what Wolverine's about to do. And like make us think that Wolverine is the one in danger. Yeah. Or if like that is being seated right before a big moment so that it gets forgotten. Maybe. And like can can, can be come back pulled around. back out later. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Logan basically talks of confronts and, and stands up and talks to Saturnine and says, Why are you even doing this? You you know, you have control and basically kind of what he said to Brian, right? Yeah. But he's saying it directly to her, right? And she's like, yeah, uh, yeah, people could die. And death is the great change. Everything dies. <laughs> to which Logan says, yeah, lady, those are some famous last words. And then his claws go through Saturnine. Yep. So don't know what the fuck's going to happen there. <laughs> but I, I, I love everything about this entire book. Like, yeah. this is probably my favorite one so far. And Ten of Swords. Well, I think it makes sense, too, because it's also, like, as great as seeing everyone getting ready has been, this is our first picture of the whole cast of this story together. Um, I will will already say, uh, as long as they don't, and they don't even have to, like, have a perfect ending to this at this point, as long as they don't ruin the ending, this will be my favorite crossover event for Marvel possibly ever i mean i'm i'm going to stand by my expectation that this does not end so much as it like correct shakes yeah. up status quo yep. and informs the next phase of i, I mean yeah, yeah yeah i think that's very yeah there's a there's a there's a prophecy that gets put out at some point that something about um you know because it ends with make of that what you will yeah um which is you know something about like moonlight. You know the, the moonlight under the under a black moon, the two will be rejoined or something like that. Oh, I think that was actually an X Men. Was it? Was that an X Men before the? It probably was. But essentially, it's about Maybe. you know kind of what's gonna come next or how this can resolve, right? Yeah. And yeah, there's some interesting thoughts about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, can't get my phrase. Yeah, it's at the end of X-Men, um, after the three laws are printed again. Oh, yeah, speaking of which, we talked about the fact that we would get back to how horn that, yeah. that well, you know, both here, sides let me, are. Let me read the prophecy first. Okay. Only under the black moon will the two become one. A white light will judge them, and a red land will see them split forever. Make of that what you will. Yeah, yeah, that clearly is going to come to pass, we just don't know exactly how. Yeah. Um. But we also get the three laws of Oroko. What are they, Alex? Make more mutants. Number one, same law. I love it. Destroy our enemies. Yep. Defend this broken land. Yes. Yeah. The first law of both of them is make more mutants. Yep. So yep, they're just as horned as all the as all the X Men. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. We've met Solemn. There was no question <laughs> about that. You are right. You are correct. Beautiful. Just. Just the best. God, I can't wait for more. Alright, is it still good? <sighs> Brian, Origins yeah. number one. Um, 
I really liked the setup that was in this book. This is a uh, this is a new book from hold on just a minute from Boom Studios. Um, yep. The creators are Lee Krieger, Joseph Oxford, and Arasha Mel. The script is by Clay McLeod Chapman, and the art's by uh, Jacob Rebelka. Um, I I will one hundred percent say. If you did not already pick this up, my recommendation will be to get it in trade. Um, there is an introduction in this, but it this just from the pacing that I can already see in it, this is a this is written for trade, one hundred percent. Gotcha. Um, that being said, it's it's the art in this is absolutely beautiful. Um, super lush greens to start out. And then we transition into like some red and darker color, but it's just like beautifully, beautifully done art. I love it. Um, but essentially what we find out is that all of humanity is dead, except maybe for this one person that we meet who finds DNA of this person named David and uh, basically takes that DNA and regrows him as a baby. And then we cut to several years later, and her and David are out on this mission. She has not aged any, but he is essentially a young man at this point. Uh, and sh there's comments about him being the last human. So clearly she is something else, right? Um, a robot. I bet she's a robot. Yeah, I'm thinking she probably is. Um, and something about, you know, that they can't let the network find him. This whole time she's been hiding him from the network, right? Um. And we approach the, the point of him saying that he it, it's time that the network now knows that he's here and he has to he has to do this thing that they're calling the upload, which I'm guessing is all of his knowledge and memories being given back to him. Mm. Um, but essentially, that's where the first one ends. Like we just we're essentially introduced to these characters, kind of told possibly who they are not even for certain and then that's it so cool. yeah i think it's going to be really good but reservations are withheld until more is here because yeah yeah the dreaming waking hours number four um ruin tries to make his way back into the dreaming and the play is the thing hellblazer rise and fall number two John Constantine wakes up in bed with Lucifer, and the two of them decide to work together, for the most part, tentatively. Not so well, it turns out, to stop uh, the demon who is wreaking havoc in London. Justice League number 56, Detective Chimp discovers that Comet the Robot Horse has tricks up its sleeve. Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Batman, Hush! Brian. Um, this so the tales from the dark multiverse are the ones where super big events ended badly because <laughs> it's from the dark multiverse. Um, this may be one of the most interesting takes on one of those that I have read so far. I really, really enjoyed this one. Cool. Yeah. Chew number four. If you're going to dispose of dead bodies by dumping them in a shark tank. Don't fall in. Coffin Bound, number eight. While this series has mostly been about its main characters 
dealing with their death coming. This issue is about Taka's friend dealing with Taka's death having happened. The Amazing Spider-Man number 51.LR, Brian. Uh, so, uh, this is Black Cat and Doctor Strange setting out on a mission for something. Uh, MJ comes back to New York, and the spider folks are terrorizing everybody else. This also has my other quote of the week. Brian's quote of the week, part two. <laughs> so, uh, Black Cat and Spidey stole the, uh, the hand of Vishanti. Uh, in the last in the last issue, and Stephen now has realized this and tracks down Felicia to find it. <laughs> he comes in, and her comment to him is, "Don't I have to invite you in? I'm not a vampire, Miss Hardy. Then why do you dress like that?" <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Felicia sometimes. You want to talk about the most cognitive dissonance I've ever had seeing a panel of a comic book? What's Norman that? Osborn pulling Mary Jane out of a car. Right? That was so weird. Atlantis Attacks, number four, Brian. Uh, wow, I did not know that, th I didn't was not 100% certain that this series was ever going to get finished. I'm super glad that it is. Um, and... We see what's really going on behind the whole Pan and Atlantis and uh, uh, Jimmy Woo and the whole uh, everything. We we finally get our what's going on here. Avengers number 38, Brian. Um, the history of Mephisto's relationship with the Avengers? I believe the word you're looking for is Mephistory. <laughs> the Mephistory. Wow. Uh, including past, present, and future. Uh, and um, how he has manipulated a family to bring back a character that just kind of scares the hell out of me being back alive again. Also, cribs are no good when your baby can fly. <laughs> yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, number eight. Rocket Raccoon does his best Benoit Blanc. Uh, and we learn that it is time once again for the Snark Wars. The Immortal Hulk, number 39. Um, this book gets harder and harder to explain. <laughs> the leader controlling one Hulk goads another Hulk into killing a third Hulk while a fourth Hulk watches... Bruce get kidnapped. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 19. Miles and friends, and father, and Captain America, take the fight to Green Goblin and Ultimatum. Thor, number 9. We learn what Donald Blake has been up to oh. for a very long time. Okay. And now he's loose on Earth. U.S. Agent number one. This is kind of a weirdly structured story. Um, everything has gone bad when it begins. And a lot of this issue is just kind of how did, how did U.S. Agent wind up in this small town? Um, and it was mostly because some former S.H.I.E.L.D. bureaucrat wanted to piss off a former supervisor and sent the most annoying hero necessary to deal with cleanup 
after a fire at a defunct shield front. I love that this book is entirely rooted in the pettiness of mid-level management. (laughs) Web of Venom, Empire's End, number one. If you are a Kree scroll investigative unit going to look into why a distress signal from a bunch of escape pods that are dead in the metaphorical water of deep space have started going off and they're filled with black goo don't open them almost like you shouldn't read the book either now that'll be fine wolverine black white and blood number one uh this is a um this is an anthology book uh that is in all inks and red. So um, we get three stories in this one. We get a Jerry Duggan story, a Matthew Rosenberg story, and a Declan Shalvey story. Um, they're all good. The art is beautiful. I would pick this up more as a, honestly though, almost more as a uh, an art piece director's cut type book than I would for, I mean, the short, the stories are so short that they really just don't have time to build in anything more than just like a single scene or set piece. So, which is fine. Really, really they're, from they're, the same place as the Batman black and white that this absolutely this is riffing on. Absolutely. Um, that being said, like I said, the art is, uh, it, you can pick it up just for the art alone to appreciate it. Cause it's, it's beautiful. The you know the the style of using the red for things is very very well done. Um, there's one for instance where um, it's Weapon X, right? And as he goes into his rage, the um, the 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 boxes that describe him, like the editorial boxes start getting more and more red going from black and white. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then they taper back off as he comes out of it. Right. Um, I'm sorry. That's not a weapon X one. That's, that's just a Logan one. But as he goes into this frenzy, like they're, they're kind of pink at one point and then they turn to a light red. Yeah. So super, super cool. Um, to which builds to this when it's solid red, this, beautiful whole page spread of Wolverine just being like, you know, what you can imagine is the most Wolverine ever on this pile of bodies. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very cool for what it is. Just cool. don't expect this to be a story driven, heavy Wolverine book. Yeah. Yeah. Vignettes. Yes, absolutely. Horizon zero dawn number four. This is the last <laughs> issue of this mini series. Um, and it brings to kind of a close Talana's sort of search for purpose. Uh, the the new character who she meets mentions that he's heading out to the Forbidden the Forbidden West, which if you play the Horizon games, you know Horizon Forbidden West is the name of the next game. Yeah. Um, and it promises more of Talana in the next game as well. So. Very much, I think, ultimately a stage setting introduction to this new character and update for what's going on with Talana. 
Um, I imagine a lot of the relevant information will probably get recapped at some point in the game, but if you're a fan of the games, played the first, plan to play, play the next. I think it's worth checking this out. Yeah. Um, it also gives us gives us our first look at a big new machine that uh, I won't get into the mechanics of it because I don't want to spoil stuff who are gonna stuff for people who are gonna play the game and want to find it out there. But like, gives me the impression that it's not going to boil down to well, just shoot the darn thing. Uh, for some of the new enemies, which is reductive. Like, there are some enemies of the original game that take a lot of skill and patience and strategy, but ultimately you're still shooting the darn thing. Uh, so that's that's the other sort of takeaway here is maybe some some implications for shaking up gameplay a little bit. Which Thanks. is a weird thing to say about a comic book. It could be totally off base, but uh, the way it's presented, I don't think it is. Yeah, a little chance to tell some story set up behind. Yeah, like, yeah. it's fun. It's good to see Talana get a little more space. She's cool. a cool character. Yeah. Like, a lot of the side quests in Horizon are really well done and give you a sense of who these characters are. But she's sort of, like, one of the biggest side characters. Agreed. So. Agreed. All right, what's coming out this week that we're going to read? Brian, tell me about Punchline. So this is a one-shot that is kind of, essentially, I think, kind of a a history and story of, uh, you know, the person that becomes Punchline. I mentioned how much I actually like what they've done with this character and not just, you know, rehashed some of the same stuff, uh, which was very surprising and, and wonderful to me. And so I can't wait to kind of get a history and see what they do with this. I'm going to uh, jump in on this one, too, and mention that I learned this week that one of my favorite Scott Snyder era characters is being reintroduced for Tynan's run in this one shot as sort of a, a to use Tynan's words from this interview, the perfect reflection of punchline do you know who that character is brian no harper Rowe. oh bluebird is back nice yeah okay um i am going to mention marvel action chillers number one which you may say hey you brought that a month ago alex (laughs) i did and then i found out it had been delayed a month yeah so if you are not ready for halloween to end slash if you want uh, some some Ironheart and Doctor Strange and eventually Wasp and other characters written by Jeremy Whitley. And you should. You want to grab this book? Unsurprisingly, Brian, you have all of the Ten of Swords stuff. I, I, that's, I, I literally just wrote all the Ten of Swords stuff. Which, to be specific, is Marauders 15, Excalibur 14, and Wolverine number 7. Yeah. Um. I... I, I just finished telling you how this is probably my favorite Marvel crossover ever. I love it. Yep. And finally, Dark Knight's Death Metal Infinite Hours Extreme One-Shot. That's extreme with three X's. Three X's. Well, would you expect anything, Lex, for Lobo? Come on. Not from the main man, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that I said recently that, like, some of the one-shots I've struggled a little with uh, but this is what I'm very excited for. One, I've heard really positive buzz about it. Two, 
I really need to know what happens with that little tease of Lobo working for Lex Luthor that we got in the Death Metal Handbook. Guidebook? I think Guidebook it was called. And three, we are introduced in this issue to the Batman who frags. So, need I say more? Nope. In that case, we'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash panelologymerch, capital P, capital M, or send us letters, questions, or whatever at bit.ly slash panelologymailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Go read comics, because there's a lot of good ones out there.